Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Soundsington Media! Between the South Shetland Islands of Antarctica and Cape Horn, Chile, lies a stretch of water known as the Drake Passage. This far south on the globe, so close to Antarctica, many seas converge. The Atlantic Ocean meets the Pacific Ocean meets the Southern Ocean, while whales, penguins, and many other creatures plumb the ice-strewn depths for their supper. It is 1840, and Captain Brighton commands his crew from the deck of the Hope. They are a whaling vessel, outfitted especially to capture and process whales, used for their blubber, meat, and bones. It is well below freezing, but the crew is used to it, and everything is going according to plan on this voyage. So Captain Brighton stands almost relaxed for a moment, looking out over the vastness of the ocean. But then, a dot in the distance catches his eye. The crew see it too, but there isn't even a need to reroute. They're headed straight for it. What feels like an eternity later, the hope is within sight of what looks like another ship. A schooner, smaller than the whaler, drifting aimlessly in the frozen waste. Brighton's men board the ship, only to find that not only is no one on board alive, but this ship is called the Jenny, and she was last seen some 17 years ago, thousands of miles to the north in Lima, Peru. But where has she been all these years? And what happened to everyone on board? I'm Elise Parisian, and the Jenny is just one of many ghost ship tales that we'll investigate on this episode of Unspookable. I think a ghost ship is like um, a ship that sank or was destroyed. And if, and sometimes maybe there's a, like a lot of fog. The only time I've ever heard of a ghost ship was on SpongeBob SquarePants when there's a little um, ghost pirate and he isn't really nice to any of the characters and he is really greedy. I've also only heard like ghost ships really on SpongeBob, but um then came around last year, my friends for some reason were talking about it on the on the playground and I asked them about it and we ended up having this really deep conversation on whether they're real on and all this other stuff. And the fog, it's like an image in the fog, but like it's not real just an image that isn't real. First things first. What exactly is a ghost ship? A ship that's a ghost? A ghost that's a ship? Neither? Both? All of the above? 
there are a few different scary occurrences that people refer to as ghost ships. One is of the supernatural variety, a ship that is spectral or otherwise unreal, sometimes with a crew made entirely of spirits as well. Another type of ghost ship is something more like the Jenny, where either those aboard have died or the ship has been abandoned, often under mysterious circumstances. That sounds like the Jenny, right? What's your take on the story? It's eerie for sure, but did it really happen? Although there are many accounts that insist the Hope really did rediscover the Jenny after 17 years at sea, plenty of sources also say that this story is complete fiction. Historians have settled on describing claims about the Jenny as unsubstantiated, meaning without proof or evidence. And there are an awful lot of ghost ships that fall into that category, that some people might describe as myths or legends or folklore, but others know for certain they have seen them. Such is the case with one of the most famous ghost ships of all time, the Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman is said to appear in waters all over the world, but it first became a fixation of sailors in the time of the Dutch East India Company in the 16 and 1700s, working long trade route voyages from Europe, heading south and eventually rounding the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa, the point at which a ship would start traveling more eastwards towards Asia. In 1795, George Barrington documented a voyage of a similar route. Barrington happened to be an infamous petty criminal and adventurer, whose excursions were followed by the British public in the late 1700s equivalent of a tabloid magazine. In A Voyage on Botany Bay, he wrote, I had often heard of the superstition of sailors respecting apparitions and doom, but had never given much credit to the report. It seems that some years since a Dutchman of war was lost off the Cape of Good Hope, and every soul on board perished, her consort weathered the gale and arrived soon after at the Cape. Having refitted and returning to Europe, they were assailed by a violent tempest, nearly in the same latitude. In the night watch, some of the people saw, or imagined they saw, a vessel standing for them under a press of sail, as though she would run them down. One in particular affirmed it was the ship that had foundered in the former gale, and that it must certainly be her, or the apparition of her. But on its clearing up, the object, a dark, thick cloud, disappeared. Nothing could do away with the idea of this phenomenon on the minds of the sailors. And on their relating the circumstances when they arrived in port, the story spread like wildfire, and the supposed phantom was called the Flying Dutchman. Some sources say that the Flying Dutchman is the ghost of the ship captained by Baron Falk a captain making trips for the Dutch East India Company in the 1600s. Falk was renowned for the almost supernatural speed of his voyages. In 1678, he sailed from the Netherlands, then referred to as the Dutch Republic, to Java, an island in Indonesia, in three months and four days, a distance of over 9,000 nautical miles that could take many ships up to a year. People said that the unnatural speed of Fox's ship was because of a deal he had with the devil. 
a deal that meant after his death, he was doomed to sail forever as a phantom ship, never able to make port. In 1880, Princes George and Albert of Wales were on a three-year voyage on the HMS Inconstant that took them to the Bass Strait of Australia, between the cities of Melbourne and Sydney. The prince's log reads, July 11th at 4 a.m., the Flying Dutchman crossed our bows. A strange red light, as of a phantom ship all aglow, in the midst of which light, the masts, spars, and sails of a brig 200 yards distant stood out in strong relief as she came up on the port bow, where also the officer of the watch from the bridge clearly saw her, as did the quarter-deck midshipman, who was sent forward at once to the forecastle. But on arriving, there was no vestige, nor any sign whatever of any material ship was to be seen either near or right away to the horizon, the night being clear and the sea calm. Thirteen persons altogether saw her. Thirteen people were sure that they saw the Flying Dutchman. Thirteen! And many more and many other sightings over the course of centuries. Does that make you more inclined to believe that it's real? Or do you think there's another explanation? We'll hear about a possible scientific cause for this phenomenon right after this. A mirage is usually... um. Usually is when something tricks you, or like you really, really want something, especially like maybe in the desert. If you're like really, really thirsty, you might see like a pool, and then you go to it, and it's just sand, because your eyes trick you. A mirage or a hallucination could be if... Whenever I'm really tired and my eyes kind of hurt, I could say I was hallucinating or and I might be seeing like colors and stuff. When I think that I'm seeing something that's like actually not there, then I could be dreaming and then the next day I thought it was real. For maybe sometimes you think you see like a ghost and then you blink and it's gone. Maybe... Um, your eyes just played a trick on you. Have you ever heard the word mirage? Can you describe what it means? Or even if you haven't heard it, what does the word sound like to you? How does it feel when you say it? Mirage comes from the French mire, which in turn comes from the Latin mirari, to look at or to wonder at. And mirages are definitely a wonder. A mirage is a naturally occurring optical phenomenon where refraction causes light rays to bend and produce a displaced image of distant objects. Whew, I know, that's a lot of words. Let's take apart this definition real quick. A mirage is naturally occurring, meaning that it's not human-made. It's an optical phenomenon meaning something created from light interacting with matter. Refraction is a word used in physics to mean a change in the direction of a wave passing between two things, or through one thing. Let's put that all together from the perspective of someone at sea. From the deck of a ship looking into the distance at the horizon, the light rays can refract or bend in such a way that they produce false images. This can include flashes of different colored lights, 
and large objects, like ships. You probably see where this is going, right? It's one possible explanation for ghost ship sightings. The reason that so many people have insisted that they saw the Flying Dutchman and other phantom ships could be that they really did. Despite a mirage being a false image, it's still an image that is really there, created by the physics of light waves. It's not a hallucination. It's really happening. Perhaps the human mind, out at sea for sometimes years and years, would see a large object in the distance that vaguely looked like a ship and insist that's what it was. But that doesn't mean they didn't really see something. Kind of wild, isn't it? One particular type of mirage, the most elaborate type, is known as a Fata Morgana, named in Italian for the sorceress Morgan Le Fay from the King Arthur legends. In the stories, Morgan, or Morgana, is sometimes depicted as part fairy or fae, and able to cast spells of such power that kings and knights sought her protection, though she remained a free agent and decided what causes were worthy of her skills on her own. Italian sailors traveling the Strait of Messina between the islands of Sicily and the western tip of the Italian peninsula attributed the mirages they saw to Morgan's magic, sometimes thinking she was luring sailors to the fairy kingdom to their death. In this type of mirage, images are often seen stacked on top of each other. Or, one smaller image appears larger because it is combined with its stacked mirror image. These occur on the horizon at sea, in deserts, and in other locations where the interaction of hot and cold air bend light rays so drastically that entire cities or fleets of ship may appear to the viewer. Have you ever looked over a distance on a really hot day and seen how the air in front of objects seems like it's waving or rippling? This is exactly the type of phenomenon that leads to a Fata Morgana out at sea, where temperatures are meeting and interacting with light in different ways often changing the image rapidly in a short amount of time. In the case of the Flying Dutchman, the origin of the image could be a real ship. In some cases, a ship that is physically out of sight over the horizon could appear to be flipped and hovering above the water to someone observing it through a Fata Morgana. The light of this image could change so rapidly that it could glow different colors in a matter of minutes before disappearing. If you saw such a thing out at sea, wouldn't you think it was a supernatural happening, too? Stories of ghost ships from all over the world include the Caliuche of Chile, a ship that is said to appear to a viewer bright white and glowing, with the music of a party aboard, only to disappear below the water as suddenly as it came. Throughout the 1800s, off of Chapel Cove in Newfoundland, Canada, a large galleon was sometimes seen drifting near the cove. It was said that the ship would appear to those searching for treasure that pirates had buried there long ago. In the mid-1900s, it is said that a ship some call the Urang Madan was found off of Indonesia with the entire crew dead, but somehow frozen in unnatural positions 
with faces upturned, as if looking at something frightening beyond measure. All of these stories may have their origins in truth, though they are unsubstantiated. But let's not forget that there are other types of ghost ships not made through a mirage or through legend. The type that are very real and very spooky. Ghost ships whose real story will always remain a mystery. We'll look at the most famous of these terrifying happenings when we get back. I think that the scientific version of why um, ghost ship was would be sailing, why ships would be sailing without crews, would maybe be the ship was like damaged or broken, and it just sailed, and like all the passengers got like knocked off, and the wheel just kept going. Um, for Supernatural, I would think that maybe something happened to them, or like they're lost and they're trying to find their way home, but they're all ghosts. On November 7th, 1872, an American merchant brigantine, a type of two-masted vessel, set sail from New York City on her way to Genoa, Italy. Her name was the Mary Celeste. Almost a month later, on December 4th, she was discovered by a Canadian ship off of the Azores Islands near Portugal. Slightly disheveled, but still under partial sail and perfectly seaworthy, her cargo and all the belongings of the crew were found intact, but no one that had been aboard the ship was ever seen or heard from again. So what happened to them? Why would they abandon a ship in perfectly good condition? The story of the Mary Celeste captured the imaginations of both reporters and fiction writers for some time after. Was there foul play involved? Was there some type of weather or natural phenomenon? Was there a mutiny? Or was the crew of the De Gracia, the ship that discovered the Mary Celeste, not telling the whole truth? Rumors were even entertained that everyone aboard was abducted by aliens. With no one aboard to claim the cargo and belongings, the owners of the De Gracia wanted salvage rights. Meaning because they found the Mary Celeste, they now owned both her and her cargo. A court conducted salvage hearings to try to determine what happened, and therefore who should own the property. Examinations of the ship for the salvage court in Gibraltar tried to understand what had happened to the missing lifeboat, and uncovered strange cuts in the wood of the bow, as well as a substance they said could have been blood. But no one could prove any one theory and the court had to release the ship to a new crew to take it to its original destination in Genoa. Chief Justice Sir James Cochrane was quoted at the end of the hearings saying that the crew of the De Gracia and the entire circumstance around the Mary Celeste would be under suspicion in the court of public opinion forever. And perhaps he was right. Because to this day, people still posit new theories about what could have happened to the Mary Celeste. The University College London even conducted a series of experiments in 2006 to try to prove various theories. 
still with inconclusive results. It seems Mary Celeste's ghosts wish to remain a mystery. An equally whispered-about case occurred in 1921, when the five-masted schooner, the Carol A. Deering, was found off of Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. On January 31st, the Coast Guard spotted the Deering run aground on the Diamond Shoals, a shifting cluster of sandbars off of Cape Hatteras that some call the Graveyard of the Atlantic because of all the shipwrecks that have happened there. When they were able to board, the Coast Guard discovered no trace of the crew. The Deering had some damage, but was still more than seaworthy, with evidence that the crew had been preparing a meal right before they disappeared. The lifeboats were gone, as were some personal belongings, which led some to attribute the disappearance to a mutiny or piracy. Though the U.S. government conducted an extensive investigation, no one could come to any conclusions about what happened aboard the Deering. But a more supernatural explanation has also made the rounds. The Deering was at the time coming back from Brazil and passed through the Bermuda Triangle. This area of sea, commonly defined as a triangle between the three points of Bermuda, Miami, and San Juan, is said to be a stretch of ocean where anything from alien abduction to rifts in the space-time continuum can occur. Many writers obsessed with the supernatural believe the Deering's fate to be tied to its voyage through these waters. Whatever the explanation, the Deering remains one of the most controversial instances of a ghost ship, even to this day. It might be easy for us, in our time, to think of the sailors of hundreds of years ago, or even more recently, as prone to dreaming up amazing occurrences on the open ocean, or explaining run-aground ships with supernatural mystery rather than human tragedy. But even beyond ships, there are plenty of sightings of other types of ghost vehicles, if you will. Trains, planes, and automobiles are all the subjects of local legends. The St. Louis light is said to be the headlight of a ghost train that travels an abandoned line in Saskatchewan, Canada, Derbyshire, England, reports sightings of a World War II-era Douglas C-47 plane. In Hong Kong, the Tuen Mun Road is said to be full of phantom vehicles and the victims of all the car crashes that have taken place under dangerous conditions. So what leads us to seeing these different types of moving phantoms in so many places? What is it about travel, or transportation in particular, that makes our imaginations run wild. Maybe you've been on a car trip late at night, on a long, lonesome road, watching the dark world go by from your place in the back seat. Maybe you've been on a train where the rhythmic rumbling over the tracks for miles on miles starts to lull you into a dreamlike state. Maybe you've been on a boat at sunset and looked out across the water to see strange ripples dancing just out of your eyesight. On these types of journeys, what stories will our minds tell us when they try to put together what our eyes cannot make sense of? Is that another train in the distance? A city on the edge of the desert? A palace of ice? A ship? What is the light touching just beyond what you can comprehend? What you can prove exists. What will you see if you fix your eyes on the horizon 
and opened your mind to the idea that not everything we can see will always have an explanation. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condon, produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe, Bella, and Al. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.